Are you satisfied with your understanding of sustainability? If not, like me, imagine a journey together. A pluralistic one with innovators, startup, academia, NGO, all together looking for solution to the greatest challenge of our time. I'm Samuel Ettini, and this is The Sustainability Journey. Welcome to this wonderful episode. Today, we are going to discuss a topic which inside and sometimes is, is a topic that divides us, that we need to tackle to understand better. And during my experience at COP, I met troves or young professionals discussing and trying to engage meaningful conversation with people there about their topic. So now with two guests, Alice Cunha da Silva and Sophie Zienkiewicz. Oh, I hope I pronounce nicely. Oh, that's difficult, but thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Thanks for having us. It's a pleasure. So thank you so much for being here and really to come to share. You are part of the Young Generation Network, part of the Nuclear Institute, and we will discuss the controversial topic of nuclear in this episode. Before that, you are young women, young people, women in STEM. So how you have raised your passion about sustainability and what is your journey? Maybe we can start with Sophie and then we, you jump to Alice. Fab, yeah. So my journey in sustainability and STEM has just started from an early age, really, I guess. Always been interested in science. Uh, but when it comes to nuclear specifically, it wasn't like I had a career path planned out for me. It was more, um, I went to university. Uh, I have a degree in chemistry. Um, but even there, we didn't particularly touch on nuclear so much. But it was more when I left and I was thinking about what career I might want to explore. Um, and there was an opportunity to join a nuclear company. And so I thought that sounds like an interesting place to be. I don't really know too much about it, but I'm keen to learn more. And so I suppose I would describe myself as an environmentalist first. Yeah, that's how I go into sustainability. Thank you, Sophie. And now we jump to Alice, that is talking to us from Brazil. Yes, from Rio, where we are in summer right now. <laughs> um, so for me, it started at early age as well. My grandma worked with recycling. When we were kids, me and my brothers would help out, separate the material and all of that, the cans and the plastics and cardboards and so on. They would go to different places for recycling. It was uh, her work. For us, it was just, it was just natural to do this sort of thing because it was part of her day-to-day -day activities. And that when we were growing, that becomes something that we were more conscious of. But it was also, I got into nuclear out of curiosity, just similar to what Sophie said. I was uh, doing a technical degree in computer science. I had to get a job on it. I ended up working in a nuclear company in their IT department, and it was not something that I was looking for nuclear but I had to visit the offices of my company. They were close to the power plant and I was just passing by the power plant every now and then, curious what the nuclear power plant was and what that did. And out of curiosity, when I was applying to university, I decided to find out and I applied to nuclear engineering and I fell in love in the very first weeks and, and that's it. After that, I advocate nuclear. <laughs> 
wonderful. So you became a nuclear engineer just to see the plants and out of the curiosity and the discussions. It's really interesting. And I might say, you know, you are one of the few in our stereotype. We can have nuclear engineer and we imagine an old man. And instead, we have a lady from Rio. So it's really interesting. And we also discuss that and the way also we can foster, you know, more women in the positions and in the industry. But before that, also, maybe some people from the audience will say, what is the Young Generation Network, the Nuclear Institute? What is about? Before digging deeper and into the topic and going to see the issues and, and the benefits, maybe, Sophie, can you explain a bit which is the mission and the objectives? Yeah, that's right. So the Young Generation Network, or the YGN, is the volunteer arm, the young person volunteer arm of the Nuclear Institute. And they operate, the YGN operates across the world. So there's, there's um, they're in different countries. The UK version, um, our kind of overarching aim is to really encourage and develop young people within the sector, um, just to basically ensure that their voice is heard and that we have an impact in shaping our future and the future of our sector going forwards. So in terms of how long we've been around, the YGN is, as I say, made up of a group of volunteers. There's around 1,200 members of us. So it is quite a large organisation for young people in the UK. Um, and we've actually been around for over 20 years now. So there's a real sort of grassroots feel to, for the YGN. And in terms of how Alice and I met, we were actually involved in the COP26 delivery team, which was a series of volunteers that got together, and I think we're going to talk more about it later, but got together to really help focus the energies of the industry and of young people internationally to deliver something really positive at COP. And it was just, it was a great thing to be a part of. Thank you, Soph. And I remember the discussion about within nuclear to get net zero and the discussion. And it was really interesting to see the different points. And, and that is where now we are going into the topic of the day. We can jump on, on the, our nuclear engineer. You know, what is the problem that we are facing? You know, when you were discussing within nuclear for net zero, why are you advocating? Which are the benefits? We are in a big climate crisis. That is something that is known and it's undebatable. And we need to find ways to decarbonize the energy sectors and other sectors as well. And right now the word reliance on fossil fuels is great and it is too much. The reliance of fossil fuels needs to transition to a clean energy portfolio. And when we are looking for clean energy solutions, we cannot ignore the role of nuclear. Nuclear is a clean energy. It is dense, it is reliable, and looking for the net zero targets that the countries are putting into, you can see on IPCC reports, you can see on the International Energy Agency uh, reports, all of them show that without nuclear, we are not gonna get to those targets. So we were bringing in this discussion. It's not a matter of this instead of that. It's not a matter of let's use, use nuclear, not use renewables. It's a matter of leveraging all the low carbon footprint sources that we have in order for us to achieve the targets that we need to achieve and protect the planet. Uh, so we were, the, the, the situation that we are in is we cannot ignore nuclear. We need nuclear. Without nuclear, we are not going to get to the targets that we need to get. 
So that's the message that we have been bringing and, and discussing uh, during COP is together is better. We need to work together. We need to collaborate with renewables and have nuclear and renewables as part of the solution for the climate crisis. Thank you so much, Alice. I think that is, that is important. And we have seen the benefits and the discussion. Sometimes there is a lot of misconception, as we can say, that we need a renewable, nuclear is not good. And we'll also discuss about this. But now, what is the bigger picture about nuclear? And what are the different uses that we can have and where we can put at service of the people and of humanity and the different fields, especially looking at the current climate crisis? Yeah, so nuclear technology has very multiple applications besides energy production. When you look at energy production, it's it's already great because it's clean energy is reliable, it's it's not intermittent, so you can have like a 24-7 energy and can balance in the intermittence of renewables, uh, which makes for a great energy matrix, right? So you have a base load power and you have the intermittence power that the renewables bring clean energy as well. So the energy portion is great, but nuclear can also be used for multiple other applications from hydrogen production, which is the fuel of the future. Uh, We can use nuclear technology for medicine, which is daily saving millions of lives around the world with treatments and early diagnosis of diseases through nuclear medicine and cancer treatment. And, And I can say close to my heart because my grandma went through nuclear medicine treatments for for her cancer. There is applications uh, in agriculture, there is applications in in food. You can irradiate food to decrease waste. If you look at the situation of the planet, there is too many people in hunger. So you need to find solutions for food waste, for a solution of this other great issue of the humanity. Uh, and nuclear technology can help with that. So there is an infinite of applications that nuclear technology can support and better the lives of people across the world. And nuclear energy is one of them, but not the only one. Um, It's just a great technology for us to develop and help solve all these global issues that we are all getting together to sort it out. Thank you, Alice. Thank you so much. So you spelled out the benefit. It is important for the energy. It is important because it gives us energy for a longer time. It can balance the renewables. It has different from med- uses from medicine to agriculture. Now, let me stand in the feet of the people that sometimes we got also there and saying, hey, yes, very nice, fair enough. But what about the issues? What about the ways? What about, you know, the conception that we have, the scare, every... So how can you respond to critics that maybe also in our audience can be there? How would you convince them and discuss with them to find common ground? I think we need first to have an open dialogue. We need to make sure we are talking and listening and understanding people's doubts, which are valid. Nuclear technology is not something that it's common to discuss. So we are here to do that, to open a dialogue and make sure we are addressing questions uh, which are normal to to receive. On the issue of waste, for example, that's a very standard question that that we receive. And nuclear waste is is very small, 
manageable. We know what to do. It's not a matter of we don't know what to do that way. A lot of people think that uh, what we're going to do, we don't know there is no solution for that. We, we actually have uh, ways not only to recycle fuel that some countries do uh, and leverage that waste, the, the fuel that was uh, used to be used back on, on the reactor, but we know how to store it. We know how to monitor it. And the size of the waste, let's say, it's very small. It, it, nuclear doesn't produce an, a lot of waste compared comparing to other sources. Um, so it is a question that we can answer with empathy and data and uh, open dialogue. And Sophie's great <laughs> at this sort of. She has been uh, proven to to the TV during COP. She was uh, talking to. Uh, media and so on, and, and having these sort of discussions is very important. In fact, let's jump to Sophie now. So we had the, the technical background. So what was your discussion? You know, many people now are advocating for nuclear, even Bill Gates in the latest book, you know, is advocating for nuclear. But still, uh, in our imagination, Chernobyl is still there. And all the scare that we have lived when we were young. So how would you respond? How we can, as Alice said, we can find an open dialogue and which are also so your point of view on the issue. Firstly, thank you, Alice. That was very kind of you. Just to tie all of those points back together, it does come down to maybe two different factors. And I think the first is miscommunication. And that is exactly why this sort of open dialogue is, is, is so incredibly important, because we would love people on any side of your opinion scale to come to us and just talk, because that is really where the value comes from. And and I think probably the second side is that we are part of this new generation of young nuclear leaders that are really committed to the climate cause. And ultimately, I would perhaps a general statement, but I would say none of us overly mind how we get to net zero. We just know that we need to get there. And we are championing the cause of nuclear alongside renewables because we recognize that this is the goal that we are all collectively as an international community working towards and so I think that power of the new leader image has been it has been really useful to us over the past 18 months because we have been able to galvanize people from across the international spectrum the political spectrum whatever your opinions are um, and people have felt inspired because they recognize this this image that we're working towards. Nice Sophie uh, thank you so let me now ask you know a bit more about your experience at COP. Since you are part of the 70 young people that they are, you both were there trying to discuss, can you share a bit of insights on how it went and what, what have you garnered from this experience? Yeah, just a bit of background on the, the actual COP delivery team. So COP is the, as I'm sure a lot of your listeners are aware, the largest uh, climate change conference that exists in the world. And it happens every year. And in November 2021, it was in Glasgow. And so Alice and I were part of the delivery team. There was 10 of us on the team. And we really were working to, to galvanise that international audience in terms of our vision for what we wanted to achieve at COP with all of these volunteers that you mentioned. And it's important to note that we were there as, as volunteers for the YGN, the Young Generation Network. Um, but in terms of a vision, what we really want to see is that clean, sustainable, abundant, low carbon future for everyone. So that was really the message that we were trying to, to pitch to the world. And we want to do that by enhancing the collaborative nature. Um, so that was kind of what we were there to do. In terms of the experience that we had, and I'm sure Alice would agree, and as would everyone that was there, it was absolutely incredible. A few key things that stuck out for me was how 
open people are to dialogue and how important it is to be brave in your opinions because people really resonate with that message of I'm here because I'm fighting for my future and I'm doing it in perhaps a slightly different way to you but ultimately we're both here and we are both working towards the same thing so I, I suppose the openness for me was a real it was a surprise I think I think that would be fair to say Alice. Yeah it was definitely a life-changing experience it was my first call which it was true for most of the volunteers uh, uh, for the young generation that were there and it was inspiring to see in the middle of a pandemic, so many young people over there, uh, not only uh, from our group, but from across the world in different groups, raising their voices and make sure they were being heard because um, we need to take charge of our future. So that was very inspiring. It was another thing that stru struck me was the conversation of a just transition and climate justice to make sure we are, we get to the net zero, we get to protect the planet, but don't forget the people we need, the people that are in energy poverty. Uh, so how do we get there? How do we transition in a way that we can take those people in energy poverty out of this situation and allow them to have abundant life? So that was a, a, a very good conversation that across the different stands and they were having and uh, the inclusive response to the climate crisis is essential. So that, that for me was, was also inspiring to see that we are not only thinking about the technology, we are putting people at the center, a human-centric approach to the, the solution for climate crisis. And that is another thing that I think nuclear can bring is, is the, all the development and all the reliable energy that allow these people that today live in locations that don't have access to energy can have this can finally have this access. But it was inspiring to be there, um, and and I know it was not as it could be because we were in the middle of a pandemic, so a lot of people couldn't be there. Um, we were privileged to be um, to be part of of the COP during that time. Um, but it was definitely an incredible opportunity to be together with everyone that, as Sophie said, are all there with the same goal to protect, to bring a better and more sustainable future to everyone. Um, we all with different solutions um, and we're just talking and, and discussing and being open to hear and learn from each other. Thank you, Sophie. Thank you, Alice. I think a strong message is coming out that as your slogan, no, together is better, you are advocating really for a holistic approach where nuclear is not seen as the villain in the room, but rather one piece of the puzzle to solve the problem. I think your, your discussions and your arguments. Talking more now, since we are in the human side of the discussion, you know, you are two young women, women that have in, uh, in a field that I must say, in my imagination is male dominated. We have had this discussion a lot, even with other guests, because as, as you notice in our podcast, say a big majority of guests is are women. That is showing also, you know, the passion and engagement that women are putting at the forefront of this climate crisis. 
So I want to ask a bit more your personal side. You know, you are a nuclear engineer. You are working for energy sector, Sophie. What is the gender perspective? Which are also the ways we can have more women as leader in this field? It's a really good question. And as you can expect, there's there's no easy answer to this. It is purely we've got to work hard. We've got to do more than we are doing. And we've got to amplify and accelerate the things that are the good things that are going on. And so, so things like this podcast, like you say, is fantastic to give women and to give young girls and also just people interested in different areas of STEM and wanting to broaden their horizons. Things like this are incredibly important. I think engaging in the young generation in particular, because that's where Alice and I, our interests particularly lie, is so powerful and it's really quite inspiring. And I honestly would encourage anyone and everyone to get involved in some sort of volunteering in a STEM, with STEM opportunities, because they are so rewarding to be involved with. Um, so if, if there are things local to you, get involved. If there aren't, set them up because there is an international community there that really does want to support you. Um, so I think that kind of is how we encourage people that perhaps are already involved in the sector to get involved further. But you're right, in terms of as a young woman, as a young girl, were there role models that I was particularly looking up to? Maybe there were, but I wasn't aware of them. And I think that's probably the biggest issue that we need to tackle and we need to make sure that when we are celebrating successes we're doing it on a platform that is is equal for everyone um, Alice mentioned energy inequality and access to energy inequality previously I think access to opportunities across the board is something that we need to really really reflect on if you're in a slightly more privileged circumstance it might be an obvious thing to get involved in volunteering but if you're coming from somewhere where that's not possible how do we then go about making that the norm I think I guess I would say opening your eyes a little bit wider and exploring those opportunities but also when you are in a position empowering others around you to actually take a stand and and be those role models for people thank you Sophie Alice in Brazil we have a saying that I don't know how to translate that in English but I'll try that it's like no one releases the hand of no one. So it's um, like we are all holding hands and no one will let go. It's a, a saying like we are gonna get there together. And I think this path of gender equality or diversity, not only gender, but diversity as a whole, it is something that is also, as we are talking about um, nuclear and renewables, it is also a, a matter of collaboration. We know that not only for a just approach, but if you look at the climate crisis that we are addressing now, women and children as the global community, if you try to separate, women and children are the more affected for the consequences of the climate crisis. So how do you come across solving something without including them, without including the group that is more affected? It is everyone, not only women, but everyone working towards a more inclusive and just environment. Um, and you can see the big differences from different countries. If you look at the situation in Brazil for women in energy, women in nuclear, it's very different from the situation in the UK, that is different from the situation from the US, that is different from Kenya, from other countries. So it is internally, uh, having policies that will try to overcome those lack of opportunities that this portion of the 
population lived into due to uh, the culture of the society for many, many years. So how do we implement policies and public policies that we allow those women to have access to those other opportunities like uh, Sophie mentioned, having examples uh, as well, because as a kid, I initially didn't imagine being an engineer because I didn't know a woman engineer. Uh, so it's common that if you don't see the possibility, you are not going to try it. So we need those trailblazers. We need those people that got there and to give them visibility to be examples to the future generations. So people can see themselves in those positions and women can see themselves in position of power and have those policies and so on. And we need to support each other. We need to not let go of anybody's hands. We need to all go together, uh, men, women, and try to have a shift in culture, understanding that we are all capable and we all deserve the same opportunities. So let's create a society that gives the same opportunities to everyone. And that's what they say means. It is, uh, in Portuguese, it's ninguém solta a mão de ninguém. It's let's not release the hands of no one, we go together. And I think that is the, the approach to, to get into a more inclusive cultural society. Thank you so much, Alice. This is also a very powerful message that we can have for the audience. We are approaching now the end. One last message that you want to, for the people, you know, from your experience and people also that want to know more and also discuss and understand more about your work and about this. It is one of the solutions that is on the table and on the debate. I suppose if people would love to find out a bit more, the best way to get involved is via the campaign that we set up. So this is Net Zero Needs Nuclear, and you can find that at netzeroneedsnuclear.com. And that's basically just a, a whole site full of resources, easy ways to contact us, get involved, start the conversation. And we would love to hear from anyone. So in terms of how to get involved, that's the best way to do it. Um, we're also on on Twitter at the YGN and other places like that. And I suppose that feeds into my final message, which is that I personally think apathy when it comes to the climate crisis. So doing nothing is incredibly dangerous and we cannot afford to do that as a person, as a, a country, as the UK, as an international community. And I think that's what this past 18 months has really taught me, that apathy is incredibly dangerous. We would much rather have open hostility to our ideas because at least that is someone engaging with us and someone who is prepared to work towards achieving net zero, preferably, but much before 2050. That would be my party message. Please do not sit back and wait for it to happen because we cannot afford for that to be the case. Thank you, Sophie. Thank you so much. Alice. Yeah, so building on what Sophie just said, uh, that apathy is not a solution. And I just love saying, so I'm going to say another one. If you're not choosing a side, you already chose one. So if you're not doing anything, you're already choosing a side. And I like you don't need to be everything or do everything, but everyone has a part to play on solving these big issues that we have. Even the small things that you can do in your community are can ripple to bigger things. And our group was approved of that. Um, how nine 
young people from across the globe um, got together through Zoom and were able to have such a big impact during COP, which is this huge event. So the power of young people, it is incredible. And the small actions that you can have on the day-to-day can have a big ripple effect and can make a change in the world. So don't undermine yourself. Do what you can uh, and get involved. And regarding to nuclear, Sophie said, make questions, look for us. If you have questions, if you don't understand something, research and have a dialogue and talk to people. It is important for us to be informed and have the correct information. So conversations are life-changing. I had conversations uh, with people during COP and outside of COP that just completely shift my perspective about a bunch of things. So look for those sort of conversations where you can share your experience, your perspective, raise questions, but also hear from others and learn from others. And about nuclear, please look for us, look for the website, learn ways to get involved, uh, look for information and raise questions. We are more than happy to answer them. Thank you, Alice. Thank you, Sophie, for this wonderful episode. I'm really grateful for your time, for your passion, and also for your dedication to the cause that you are having. And I really like, even though it might be a controversial issue and there are maybe dissenting opinion, I like your message that even if you don't agree with us, get engaged, discuss and do something, which at the end of the day, that is how we can make a difference. Apathy is not a choice. It's actually, it's the path that to disasters. I'm really grateful for that. I really want to thank you so much, Alice and Sophie. And uh, we hope to see you maybe again for to see maybe for your next experience and what you have you achieved. Thank you so much. It's been a, been a real pleasure. Thank you. Thank you very much. And congrats on your work. <laughs> thank you so much, Alice. I appreciate Are you satisfied after this wonderful episode? Let's continue together our sustainability journey.